0: Welcome to Luther's World of Cryptids, Ghosts, and the Unexplained. If you're into strange things that fly above us in the skies, or creepy things that go bump in the night, then you have come to the right place. Much like cryptid creatures or folklore tales, they have a home here, and so do you in Luther's World. Episode number one, I never thought it would happen to me. Real stories told by the people who witnessed them themselves. First up, we have a tale by, told by the Emperor Baron Black. He's going to tell us about a little nighttime
1: UFO. It's the Emperor Baron Black. You might have seen me on AEW, professional wrestling. 10 years, and this is my story of, oh man, what's the word? Paranormal? Abnormal? Something like that. So, to start off, I gotta give you a little backstory, okay? I gotta get, I gotta set y'all up real nice, you know what I mean? Set the table for you. It's, um, me as a teenager, I was an army brat, my stepdad was in the military, so we lived on a military base. To be exact, we lived in Fort Stewart, Georgia, which is next to Hinesville, which is very close to Savannah, Georgia. So one day, being the badass that I am, I stayed out past when the uh, streetlights go on. So, you know, everybody grew up in a uh, in a household with with uh, black families. You know you need to come in the house when the street lights come on. So being being a badass, I didn't come in as high when the street lights come on. I stayed outside. It was dark. I wasn't supposed to be outside anymore. Um, I stayed outside. So I just got done playing soccer with my uh, my homies down the street. I was walking back to my apartment, and I seen this oval shaped glowing ball in the sky. At first, I you know I, I shrugged it off. I was like oh that's just you know that's just an airplane or i thought it was probably some jet because they also had a air force based near Fort Stewart as well well it got a little interesting because the orb started doing maneuvers that wasn't plane-like it was like going into a u in circular motion like that so i was like oh what the hell is that you know what i mean but i just kept walking it was probably about about 9 10 o'clock um and then I just sat outside uh, in the field just watching it, and it was just pulsating. And I was like, am I really experiencing a UFO? I really didn't think UFOs were real, but at that day I realized they are real. <laughs> and every time I tell people this story, nobody believes me, but I was like, I seen a UFO. I mean, it was, it was very defined, oval shaped thing, flying object, and it was not, airplane. It wasn't no jet. It was making this motion like this, and then it did a whole circular motion like that. So, it was really interesting. I was like, a shot thing for me, because I was like, I've never seen a UFO. You just see the shit on, you know, you see the shit on movies, you see the shit on TV, and you're like, ah, that's a bunch of horse shit. None of that shit is real. They they doctored all that shit, but I've seen it for myself, and I've been a believer ever since, and I was 13 year old at at that point in time. So, um, I was scared to go to night, sleep that night. <laughs> if anybody remembers the movie Mars Attacks, that movie scared me to death as a child. I really thought shit like that can actually happen. So I was actually scared to go to, to, go to sleep that night. And I always peeked out the window uh, once I got home. It stayed there for at least 45 minutes. And I was wondering if I was the only person that seen this shit. Because it was pretty big in the sky. You know, he's pretty big in the sky, but we're on a military base, and most families, they're, they're tucking their children in by this time, so nobody's really watching what's going on outside. Uh, I stayed there for a while, and then it just shot off into the distance. This is the time I finally got inside the house and I was peeking out the window. So, I slept in my bed like there was a monster under my bed, because I didn't know if this thing was coming back and you don't watch all the movies and the X-Files and all that other shit about being abducted and all this other stuff. So I was really frightened. I don't know if they, I was thinking, did they see me? Or are they going to come get me and all this other stuff? So I really slept with one eye open that night. I really didn't get no damn sleep. And I just never saw it again. And I went like back every other night, hoping to see it again, like a fool. Who does that? Dummy, are you trying to get abducted? So it's like, but it never showed up again. And I was like, damn, I experienced a UFO. And I never told anybody this story till. I, actually became 21 when i got 21 i started telling people people was like dude please you're lying your ass off but no it's real ufos are real they coming. didn't the government just recently confirmed ufos anyway so they're real i don't know why the one i seen was bright orange and they did these little circular motions and stuff but i was a believer after that so after that i started you know looking up ufo stuff that's kind of like a guilty pleasure of mine, I look up at that stuff and watch the whole footage of people of UFO sightings and shit. And I'm just waiting, just like everybody else here on earth, especially America, for them to finally come down and greet us. I just hope it doesn't end like Independence Day and it's more something more more happy and you know and exciting. So that's my story. UFO's are real because I seen it. If you didn't know, you're gonna learn.
0: Wow. Now, I've done a little research after Baron told me about this, and I've come across, um, after Googling through, you can find pictures, you can find videos of the exact same orange UFOs that he described. Um, They're all on there, so I would totally take a look at that. Next up, we have a man who's been a friend of mine for over 30 years in the wrestling business, and um, he has quite a tale to tell. So, Don Callis is going to tell us all about the Calgary Ant Woman.
2: Hey, welcome to Luther's World. I'm Chris Jericho, and we have Don Callis here to tell the crazy story. You want paranormal stories? You want weird mm. stories? He's got one yeah. about the Ant Woman from Calgary.
3: So <clears throat> we've all seen these big heating grates <clears throat> that, like, steam comes out of from the street or whatever. Yeah. About uh, eight feet by eight feet maybe ten feet by ten feet they're in the street so I'm walking my dog one day in Calgary Alberta Canada and I look across the street and I just I don't know why I was drawn to it but I look over and I see one of these heating grates a, a young girl maybe 17 19 20 pushing up the heating grate and coming out of the hole underneath it and I'm looking at this and something weird about it. My mind isn't quite processing it at that moment. But I see the girl does this, pushes the grade up, walks out like nothing onto the street, and she looks at me and kind of gives me a wry smile and kind of like a, hmm, you caught me. And then she skips off around the corner. She was gone. So I was curious what girl would be doing down one of these holes and so I thought well I'm gonna go check this thing out maybe people live there like at the, at the elements so um, I go over and I take my flashlight on my phone and I look and it is unbelievable because there's nothing it's just eight feet straight down sheer concrete there's nothing down there no one's living there and there's no ladder get out and it's about eight feet down so now i start doing the math and i say well how did this girl just walk out of here there's no steps there's no ladder nothing so i'm thinking wow that's weird well maybe i'm missing something because i'm looking down through the grate i'm like i'll just move the grate and i'll put the light down there so i go and i kind of grab the grate, grate like i'm going to lift it up like a deadlift and i can't budge it Mm. it's that heavy it will not move. I'm 240 pounds at the time. Strong guy. I can't move it an inch. Yet this girl did this, lifted it like it was nothing, which would be impossible, and also walked normally out of this eight-foot hole. And I tell you, my blood run cold that day because when you think about it, How did this happen? How could she have possibly overhead lifted that great that I couldn't move? I named her the Ant Woman because ants have great power to lift much more than their actual weight. I later did further research and I found out that in the 1920s, the city of Calgary dug tunnels to build a subway. That project sadly was never completed, but the tunnels remain. And so do the ant people of Calgary. Wow, that is a tremendous story.
0: And um, whoa. And I know one thing though those greats, I've tried to lift those before, and they are super heavy. Thanks, Don. Now it's time to hit up Luther's mailbag in a little segment we call The Paper Trail. Time for the paper trail once again, and this one is from Chapel St Leonard's Beach in Skegness. Hope I got that right, England, on May 18th, 2019, and it's sent in by Fox Whitaker. So thanks for sending that in. I was walking on the beach with my parents and two dogs, and there was a guy in the distance in all orange clothing. He was standing close to the tide and facing the direction of the sea. We were walking in the direction of him, and he was still there. A couple minutes later, one of my dogs went astray. As I turned to shout at him, the guy in all orange had completely disappeared. There were only three ways he could have gone. One, walking away from us, but we would have seen him. Two, in the same direction as us as we'd have noticed him, because he would have been walking right at us. 3. Toward the steps and back up to the caravan site, which we would have seen him do that too, because it would have been right in front of us. It's not possible for him to just vanish so quickly, yet he vanished. Thanks, Fox.
2: What's up, guys? It's Austin Gunn, Ollie, superstar, and MVP of the crowd, Austin Gunn. One-third of the Gun Club, and I'm here to read stories from Luther's World. Let's get right into it. I had two sons. My older one, age 8 at the time, would never sleep in the dark. I had a nightlight till I was 14, clairvoyant and all, so I always assumed he was having some of the same issues. My younger son, age 5 at the time, would only sleep with the radio on, and it was a set routine to his bedtime. He had moved into a new house and I was putting him to bed, and he went to turn on his radio and said, no, no, no radio. When I asked why, I was told, the green ghost that lives in my room doesn't like it. Oh, okay. There's a green ghost in your room? Yes, but he's nice. The black ghost who lives upstairs is really mean though. The boys have been playing in the large guest room upstairs and then, had stopped going up there altogether. My cousin came to visit that weekend and we put him in the guest room but didn't mention anything about spirits or ghosts cuz who wants to be that person? LOL. The next person he came, the next morning he came down and I asked how he slept and he said horrible. He said he felt like the like he was wrestling a demon all night and there was something dark in that room. A few days later I was alone in the house and I was hanging curtains in my youngest son's room. I was ironing them in the living room and then hanging them in the bedroom. I turned on the radio in there and went to the living room to iron. When I returned, the radio was off. I thought maybe I had turned it on and made a mental note and turned it off again, left the room and came back and it was once off again off. So this time I turned it on and put it on the Christian channel, religious upbringing. I left and came back and it was off and when I put it back on the channel was changed to just static. We didn't stay in that house long. I don't
4: mess with the spiritual. The end. This is QT Marshall from AEW and the Nightmare Factory and I'm here reading fan mail for Luther's World. This right here is the ghost of Grandpa. This is going to seem pretty tame at first, but I promise it is 100% true. In 2004, I had just come back from Iraq and I went to visit my girlfriend's family in the West Wales, UK. We were at her grandmother's house. My girlfriend was in the kitchen with her mother and grandmother, so I was in the front room with her sister and her sister's son, who was two and a half at the time. Really didn't know them too well, but the small talk was turning into laughter, so I seemed like it was going well. The young boy got up and went to the window and looked out and saw an elderly man walking down the driveway right up to the house. I turned to her sister and said, Should we answer it? But she was seriously pale with tears in her eyes, and she ran into the kitchen. Sam, my girlfriend, came into the room and asked, Hey, did you see someone come down the driveway? I said, Yeah. Someone going to answer the door? Without missing a beat in a pissed off tone, she pointed at the picture and said, Was it him? I said, Yeah, why? She said, Well, that's my grandfather who's been dead for two years. I swear to God, I felt like I had an electric shock. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. That was 100% him. It was at this time her grandmother said, don't worry about it, he's around here all the time. It was the scariest thing I've ever been through, and I spent seven months of that year as an active frontline infantry soldier. Thanks for hearing me out, and good luck in AEW, mate. That's Jay Mills from Mountain Ash, South Wales.
2: Hi, this is the new FN Show, Jerry Lynn, and you're watching Luther's World of Cryptids. Ghosts and the unexplored
0: hey if you have a story of anything that has happened to you or that you've experienced and you want to write it out and email it to me you can do so at Luther's world mail at gmail.com send it on in or even better videotape yourself telling your own story now we're gonna to go to Lonnie And he's going to tell us a little story about the hide-and-go-seek champion of the world, Bigfoot.
5: This is one of my favorite stories that I heard as a kid. It comes from an 1893 memoir called The Wilderness Hunter by Theodore Roosevelt. Now, President Roosevelt was an avid outdoorsman, and he retells the story told to him by this grizzled, weather-beaten old frontiersman by the name of Bauman. Now, Batman tells the story that when he was much younger, him and a friend were off to uh, trap beavers. So there was this particular rugged river valley where they felt that they could go because the beavers were told to be plenty, which was an interesting choice because the year prior, a lone trapper was found in this area, mutilated and ripped in half by some unknown beast. Now, regardless of that, Bowman and his companion decide that they're going to go to this place to trap Beaver. So they, they go, they leave their horses at this little area, and they go up this fine mountain pass. They find a nice glade and set up camp, and then they go set their traps. Now it's getting darker as they get back to camp but there's still a little bit of glint of sunlight in the sky. What they notice when they return to camp is very interesting. You see, the lean-to they had built is torn down and flat. The contents of all their camping gear has been strewn about the area, and they see what looks like little bear prints. Now, as the sun's going down, it takes a moment for Bowman's companion to set up a torch, uh, a light, to see what he can see. And what he discovers is kind of interesting, because he says to Bowman, he goes, Whatever it was, this bear walked out of here on two feet. Which leads Bowman to have a, you know, one of those grizzled old big laughs that a mountain man would have. And he kind of pushes it off as something kind of ludicrous. But the two men continue with the, um, the setup of camp and then they go to sleep. Now interestingly enough, in the middle of the night, Bowman is woken by this, this stench, this fetid stench that goes into his nostrils and actually just wakes him up. Upon waking up and his eyes start to kind of uh, match the darkness, he sees kind of like this dark figure kind of moving. So he grabs his, sh- his rifle and he shoots and then he sees whatever big mass run into the forest. Now this is kind of unsettling, but Bauman being a mountain man kind of just writes it off as some odd, odd coincidence, some animal. In the morning, they go out and check their traps. And again, when they return back to camp, they're greeted with sort of the same thing. Their lean-to has been destroyed again, and the contents of their stuff is re-thrown out all, all around the camp. But this time, they're able to see clearly footsteps leading away from camp, as if a footprint was like placed in snow. They can see that it's foot. Now, this is kind of unnerving as you're heading into nightfall. So they build up a little bit of a bigger fire, and then they plan to stay up more throughout the night. As they're, I guess, sitting sitting uh, by the fire in their lean-to, they hear different commotions surrounding them. They hear the, the twigs breaking, branches breaking. They hear that woeful scream and cry that is associated with Sasquatch now echo throughout. Now, this is one of those things where, you know, it takes a a lot of brave men to want to stay longer. And even though Bowman and his companion were mountain men and have seen all sorts of manner of animal, they decided the next day that they're going to hightail it out of there. The place is just a little too creepy for them. They spend the day collecting their traps and the whole time have an uneasy feeling like they're being watched. Upon returning to camp, Bowman and his companion decide what will happen is Bowman will go get the last three traps that are still out set, and his companion will kind of tear down camp and pack everything up, ready for them to take the pass down and collect their horses. So, Bowman's gone, but he's gone for a little longer because he's gotta deal with whatever's happening with the traps traps be with uh, there's trapped beaver in there or or the like he returns to camp though to find his his partner still laying against a tree trunk with his neck broken and four fang puncture marks in his neck now whatever did this bashed his companion around and leaned him up against the uh, the tree and left I'm sure it didn't take long for Bowman to get the heck out of there. And it was only years later that he was able to tell this tale to Roosevelt. Now, they don't make any mention of Sasquatch or Bigfoot. But I listen to it, and I see the similarities to a lot of the stories that people talk about in the Sasquatch world. The sounds, the smells, the ominous figure that they see, and most importantly, the footprints.
0: Now we're going to do something called cryptids of the world. So today, our cryptid of the world is going to be the Ogopogo from Canada, since I'm Canadian, so we're going to start off with that. The Ogopogo is a lake monster that lives in Lake Okanagan, located in British Columbia, Canada. It's said that the Ogopogo is 40 to 50 feet long. In 1926, a a sighting happened uh, at the Okanagan Mission Beach. The event was witnessed by over 30 cars full of people, all claiming to have seen the same thing, a sea monster within the lake. The First Nations people of Canada have reportedly seen the creature since the 19th century. It's been told they would even give offerings to the creature for safe passage across the lake. In 1968, Art Folden shot a footage of the Ogopogo, which showed a large wake moving across the lake. In 2011, a cell phone video captured two dark shapes in the water, although some say the video is of two logs in the water. I'm sure you can Google that, check it out, and see for yourself on that. Many think the Ogopogo could possibly be a plesiosaurus, a moseosaurus, or a pliosaurus. And I'm sure i butchered at least two of those names. And it it's said in the middle of the lake, Okanagan that there are caves down deep within it. And that could possibly be where the creature known as the Ogopogo lives. Well, I have an Ogopogo story myself. Uh, as a kid, I was out in Penticton, which is along the Lake Okanagan, and I was uh, going to hockey camp. So on one of the days we had off, uh, I went down to the, to the beach because I was going to search for Ogopogo. So um, the only thing I found was a severe sunburn that uh, did not jive well with my hockey equipment for the rest of my time there. So it was, uh, my Ogopogo experience was very painful. So some of you like to go out and you like to do a little ghost adventure, a little ghost hunting. Well, I'm going to try to make it a little easier. Uh, Each week I'll talk about a haunted hotel somewhere around the world or around America. So the first one here is going to take us to Savannah, Georgia and the Marshall House. The Marshall House is located at 123 East Broughton Street, Savannah, Georgia, 31401. The cost of staying at the Marshall House is going to range you from about 140 to 170 a night. Um, but if you look around, you can probably get some cheaper rates. So a little bit about the house. The Marshall House was first opened in 1851. And it was turned into a hospital on three occasions. Two during a yellow fever epidemic. And one during the American Civil War. It was shut down for many years before being made into a hotel, uh, and it is still a hotel to this day. There are many reports of soldiers still residing at the hotel. Guests have reported witnessing men in Civil War clothes wandering around the hallways. And there's uh, during these reports from what I was reading, it also said that there was no reenactments, there's no people there like that, but yet people still see these. Fully dressed Civil War soldiers just numerously walking around. One of the stories uh, and has been reported numerous times of a young soldier holding his own severed arm. Uh, he'll walk around looking for someone to help him to reattach it and then when you go to speak to this soldier he just disappears. People have said they've woken up in the middle of the night with their arms outstretched as if a nurse is checking for their pulse reports of ghostly children running around the hallways. I'm guessing that's from the um, yellow fever outbreak. Water taps in your rooms will just turn on and then turn off all by themselves. Doorknobs rattle as if someone's trying to get into the room. So if you're into ghostly civil war reenactments or spirited yellow fever children, look no further than spending a night or two at the Marshall House in Savannah Georgia. Hey thanks to all my guests on today the first episode. i uh, are gonna say thanks to Baron Black, to Don Callis and Chris Jericho. Thanks to Austin Gunn and QT Marshall for reading some mail. Jerry Lynn for stopping by and Lonnie Olson. Whoa what a Bigfoot story. That was great. This show is helped by Derek Drexel for all the graphics and editing. Mikey Ruckus, who has a new album out called Bring the Ruckus. You can catch that on Spotify, and trust me, it is awesome. Nathan Mowry, he has three projects going on right now, and you should check those out. McCabaret, which you can check out on whitedogsaloon.com. Relentless on Amazon. And I'm too old for this shit on iTunes and other media. That's a Chris Jericho Joint. Thanks for watching.